You are listening to the Bozeman United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast. Every Monday morning, you can catch up on the previous Sunday sermon or ones you've missed from the past. You can find out more about us at bozemanumc.org or on our Facebook or Instagram page. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget to share with a friend. And I'm going to steal this right here. All right, we are finishing up our series this morning on Wonder Women of the Bible. And so thanks for uh, hanging in there with us during this. Just want to let you know, uh, Pastor Zach is on his way back from Florida. He's been suffering for Jesus in Florida all this week at a conference. But for him, you know, he was missing the snow the whole time, I know. So I don't know, I don't know what's wrong with him. But um, he'll be back uh, next week um, after, actually, probably today, I think, is when he's coming back. So um, you've got me all day long. But we're finishing up this sermon series today. And I want to just give you a little background before we jump into it, a little background on the passage that was read earlier. The timing of this passage is that Moses had led the people out of Egypt. They've been wandering around in the desert for about 40 years. And then Joshua, who takes Moses' place as the leader, leads them into the promised land. And they come across Jericho. And so um, we're talking about Rahab the prostitute this morning. So um, here we go on that. Um, So Joshua, he has had the people cross into the promised land and they come into that land and they find people there, which I guess was not a shock to them. And they're moving into the new neighborhood and they come across this walled city Jericho. You probably heard that story, right, about Jericho and the wall. Well, this happens right before that. So they come across Jericho and Joshua sends in spies. He sends in a few spies into Jericho to kind of figure out, okay, how's this going to work? How are we going to get into here? Because it was a walled city, a well-fortified city. And so he sent in spies to kind of figure out how are we going to take this city. And so what do they do? Well, they end up in the house of a prostitute. And you might say, well, why do they end up in the house of a prostitute? And there's a lots of possibilities here. Um, if you're more conservative, don't laugh. What are, what are you doing? <laughs> if you're more conservative, you know, this word prostitute can also be interpreted as innkeeper. And there are some who want to say, oh, no, Rahab was just an innkeeper. I'm glad you guys are on the same page with me here this morning. This is awesome. So it's possible that they just needed a place to stay. And so they went to the house of Rahab. It could also be that they just needed to keep a low profile. They needed to kind of stay on the edges of the city. Rahab's house was actually built into the wall of Jericho. And so maybe they just needed to keep a low profile. And, you know, people are kind of tight-lipped. You know, it's one of those things. It's kind of like in the South when you see a Baptist in the liquor store. You don't recognize a Baptist in the liquor store. I don't know if you guys know these rules in the South or not. Um, But you kind of keep a low profile. Maybe they just needed to keep a low profile and figured, oh, no one's going to say anything about us because if somebody says, hey, we saw these guys that are from out of town at the prostitute's house, that would out them as being at the prostitute's house. And so maybe they were just trying to keep a low profile at the prostitute's house. Or maybe they were just looking for a good time, okay? Let's be honest, okay? A lot of times I think we read the Bible and we think all these people in the Bible are saints and all these kind of things, but guess what? They're human beings. And so 
likely it was all three of these things probably is really what was going on. And so they ended up at the house of Rahab. And so the king, I guess somebody did have loose lips, that whole keeping a low profile thing didn't work so well because the king hears that there are spies. He hears that there are spies in the cities and they are aware, the people of Jericho are aware of the people of Israel. And so he hears about it and he sends men to question Rahab. Rahab gets questioned about this. What, what is up with these, with these men? We heard that there were these guys that are not your regular customers that were at your establishment, your inn. And so she has a real huge opportunity here because, you know, Rahab probably didn't get messages from the king all that often. And so she has a real opportunity here to make herself, you know, a, a important person in Jericho with the king and so she has an opportunity here she could have said oh yeah they're just right over here come on down and get them but she didn't that's not at all what she did she didn't try to gain the king's favor in this situation instead what does she do she misdirects my fingers are too cold to work my little thing right here I don't know what that's all about she misdirects the king's men. She's like, oh, yeah, they were here, but they left. They took off. And if you hurry, if you hurry, if you take off chasing them, go down this road. I bet they went this way. You can find them. She totally misdirects them. And what a huge risk. What a huge risk to misdirect the king and the king's soldiers in this case. She was really in no position to do that, you would have thought that she would have done just the opposite again as a way to gain favor with the king that she would have said, yeah, here they are. Here they are. But that's not what she did. Instead, she prepares to make a deal with the spies. Instead of making a deal and gaining favor with the king, she decides, I'm going to gain favor with these spies. And so she goes up onto the roof where she had hidden them, and she kind of pulls them out of where they are. And she starts to say, hey, guess what? I've heard about you guys. I've heard about y'all. I knew that you guys were coming. I've heard about all of the stories about you. But more specifically, she says, I've heard of your God. I've heard of your God. I've heard about how powerful your God is. I've heard about all the miracles and all the things that led you to this place. And so she has decided, she makes her choice. She's chosen her side. She's decided, you know, the king of Jericho may be powerful and hold a lot of power right now. But I believe that your God is much more powerful. And so she chooses the God of the Israelites rather than the king of Jericho. She's chosen her side here. And I want to pick up the story in verse 17 and read a few more uh, verses about it. She says, uh, or the, the spies, when she comes up to make the deal with them, they say, you made a promise to let you and your family live. We will keep our promise, but you can't tell anyone why we were here. You must tie this red rope on your window. When we attack, and your father and mother and your brothers and everyone else in your family must be here with you. We'll take the blame if anyone who stays in this house gets hurt. But anyone who leaves your house will be killed and it won't be our fault. So 
The spies set some terms. She's like, hey, I want to help you. And they say, okay, that's fine, but we've got some terms here. Here are the things that we need you to do for us. If you want us to save you and your family, here are the terms. And here are the terms that they just laid out. The first thing they said was keep quiet. Don't tell anyone about us. And, of course, she had already done that. She had already decided that she was going to keep quiet. So that was the first thing she had to do. Keep quiet. Don't tell anybody about us or why we're here. The second term was mark your home. They needed to know. They knew where she lived. She, you know, they had been there. But the army that was coming didn't know. And so you've got to mark your home. She lived in the wall, in the edge of the wall. And so mark your home with this cord, with this scarlet cord, so that everyone who's coming from the outside will know, hey, don't hurt the people that are in this place. And the third term was be ready to go. Be ready to go. Be on alert. We're not going to tell you exactly when, but if we come to your home and your family's out and about, we're not going to go and get them. They've got to be here. They've got to be ready to go. Those were the terms. We will keep you safe. Thank you for what you've done for us. And here is what we'll do. But you've got to keep these terms. Now, those terms are important. But I think what's more important were the terms that they didn't set on her. Because here's what they didn't say. They did not ask her to do this. They didn't say, okay, you've got a little time. You've got a couple weeks. We want you to just totally leave this life Behind, Here's what we want you to do. Just close down your brothel. Um, do all those things before we get back. When we get back, we don't want this to be a house of prostitution. They didn't ask her to do that. They didn't ask her to change her profession. They also didn't ask her to convert. They also didn't say, hey, okay, we're going to be back in a few weeks. Here's the Torah. We need you to memorize this. We need you to do this. We need you to, to become all of these other things. They didn't ask her to convert. They didn't say, hey, thanks for all that. We really need you to be like us. They didn't ask that. They also didn't say, in order to mark yourself, they didn't say, we need you to wear this big scarlet P on your, for prostitute, okay? Uh, we, didn't, we, need you to, we, we need you to wear this so that everybody knows, hey, this is the prostitute that helped us. They didn't ask her to mark herself they said, mark your window, but they didn't say you have, everybody needs to know, they didn't say you have to mark yourself as this prostitute. They didn't put those kind of terms on her. The terms were very simple. Keep quiet, mark your window, and be ready to go. They didn't put all these other things onto her. And so, if you know the story, everyone kept their side of the deal. She did exactly what she said she would do, and they did exactly what they said they would do. And so everything was well with them. And Rahab actually joined with them, with the Israelites, and she lived among them. You hear a little bit more bits and pieces about her through the rest of the story in, in Joshua, in the book of Joshua. She lived among them. And there's all sorts of traditions about her. Um, none of these are written in the scripture. But one tradition is she actually married Joshua. So it's like, okay, very interesting. That's one of the traditions is that she actually married the leader of the Israelites. And there are various others. You can go back and read some of those things, some really interesting stories about her that are just tradition. And so we don't really know. But 
there's more in the New Testament. There's actually more in the New Testament about her than there is going throughout the rest of Joshua. And so you might know this. In the roll call of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, which actually Zach is going to be preaching on that next week in Hebrews 11, and in James 2, which is a similar kind of roll call, you're going to find Rahab. You're going to find her listed as faithful. You're going to find a little bit of, of her story. It tells a little bit about her story in both of these places in the New Testament. She was a very important figure. She did something very courageous and daring, and it took a lot of faith on her part to say, no, I'm going to throw my lot in with the God of the Israelites rather than the king of Jericho. And so she's listed in the roll call of the faithful in Hebrews 11 and in James chapter 2. And then possibly, possibly there is a Rahab mentioned in Matthew 1. And if you know what Matthew 1 is, that is the genealogy of Jesus. And so in this genealogy, there is a woman named Rahab mentioned. We're not exactly sure if it's the same Rahab, although it was odd for a woman to even be mentioned in that genealogy. So it's very possible that Rahab is in the genealogy of Jesus. Now, that would mean that she wasn't married to Joshua. That would mean that she was married to someone else that was listed in the genealogy. But it's very possible that Rahab was in that genealogy. So, all very cool, interesting little story, but what does it have to do with us, right? Well, once again, God chooses the most unlikely. We've seen this over and over again in this series, and just the fact that she was a woman made her unlikely to be used in God's story. And we've seen that um, through all of the women that we've been talking about over these last few weeks, but she was even more unlikely. I mean, who would use an innkeeper? I mean, come on! Thank you for catching that. Yeah. She was a prostitute. That is absolutely the most unlikely person that you would use. Again, she was on the very edges of society, just like some of the other women. Um, unlike Deborah, the first woman we talked about, Deborah had a little bit of clout in her society, but the rest of them were just outsiders, absolute outsiders. And once again, God chooses the most unlikely person to be remembered in this story. And I think for us, we have to remember this because who are we to disqualify anyone from God's story? Because today, don't we do that sometimes? Don't we look at people and say, oh, hmm, yeah. And maybe we are guilty of disqualifying people from being used as a part of God's story, as being a part of this great story of faith going forward. And so be careful Anytime you think, oh, that person, uh, I don't know. Who are we to disqualify anyone? If nothing else, take that away from this series that we've done. You know, women have definitely been elevated. We're not quite all the way to the top yet, but um, we've been elevated. But there's other people that sometimes we look at and say, I don't know. Who are we to disqualify anyone from God? story. I mean, come on, here we go. It's possible that Rahab was in the lineage of Jesus. How did she end up there? Would we have disqualified her from that place? But here's the other thing that I have and want to say about this story here is I really struggle with what the other New Testament references um, do to Rahab. 
Because if you go back and read in Hebrews 11 or in James, here's what happens. You read about these faithful. You read about Abraham. You read about Moses. You read about all these other people. And then you get to Rahab. And it's Rahab the prostitute did this and this and this and this. Same thing in James. And I'm just like, why continue to label Rahab? Why to continue to label Rahab the prostitute? Why does that have to be there? I mean, especially in Hebrews and James, there's all sorts of context within those passages. It tells, it says, Rahab the prostitute did this, hid the spies and helped the people as they were coming into Jericho. Why continue to, to label Rahab? We all have labels, don't we? Don't we all have labels? Maybe from our past. You know, this is why I live in Montana and not in Texas where I went to high school, by the way. Um, because, you know, if I still live there, people might still be calling me by whatever label I had in high school and that I left way behind. We all have labels, don't we? Things maybe that we've been in the past or maybe things that people think we are even in the present. Why do we have to have all of these labels? We need to let go of labels. We need to have the grace to let go of the labels. I hate the fact that Rahab is still listed as Rahab the prostitute, even though she did all these other things. Why can't she just be Rahab the courageous, Rahab the brave? We need to have the grace to let go of the labels for others but also for ourselves. Because aren't we guilty of this too? We have labels, negative labels that we have for ourselves. And maybe sometimes when we're having a bad day, we're just like, ah, yeah, that's right. That's who I am. God doesn't have those labels. Just like what we talked about with the kids this morning, you know, God loves us just the way we are. And God doesn't need to constantly remind us who we've been. We need to have the grace to let go of the labels for others as well as for ourselves. So this day, won't you let go of those things and truly remember, even for yourself, God uses the most unlikely people. Even me especially you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bozeman United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on each week's sermon. To find out more information about us, you can go to bozemanumc.org or check us out on our Facebook and Instagram pages. No matter where you find us or connect with us, we pray that you get out there and do good.